Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today, we're going to be sitting down with Jennifer Everett, co-founder and caretaker of Fox's Journey Sanctuary, which is a nonprofit organization with a mission to save foxes in need and create a comfortable environment they can thrive in, all while educating communities on their proper care. When people think of rescue, they tend to think of dogs and cats. But here at Cuddly, we know that rescue encompasses all different kinds of animals. That's why we were so excited to bring Jennifer on to talk about what goes into rescuing foxes, the misconceptions about the species, and the importance of education. If you like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button to listen in on similar stories. Other than that, let's get started. Hi there, Jenny. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys? So good. You're doing good. Yeah, we're so excited to talk about this because I don't think we've really spoken with anyone with a specialty in foxes yet. And we have so many questions because we follow so many Fox Instagram accounts and all sorts of things. And I mean, obviously they are such entrancing, like they almost are magical creatures to us, especially in California, because we don't really have wildlife in Southern (laughs) California where we are. So really excited to chat and learn more. Wondering though, how did Fox's Journey Sanctuary first get started? So Fox's Journey Sanctuary... It's a little bit of a story. I have always loved foxes. Foxes have been one of my favorite animals since I was little. I grew up on almost 20 acres. So, and most of it is wooded. So we always actually had natural wild foxes denning on our property. So I've always fascinated and interested in them. In 2008, National Geographic did an article on the Russian silver fox domestication program. And that's when I kind of really fell in love with the idea of possibly owning a fox one day. And so I always had that in the back of my mind. So this is when I was like 21 years old. So I always had that in the back of my mind. So go on through life and my partner, Jason, So when we first started dating, we began talking about different animals because I had dogs and he had cats. And so we talked about different pets and I, he suggested a serval and I said, no way, let's look at foxes. And he was kind of fascinated with that altogether. And so that's when we started researching what the laws are in Michigan to own a fox, what the legal laws are. And we found out we can have a fox with a DNR permit here in Michigan. And we went through the steps. And then I actually found Michaela, who owns and runs um, the founder of Save a Fox in Minnesota. I found her Instagram. And I saw that she rescued foxes from fur farms and adopted them out. And so I messaged her and she gave me the kind of rundown and said, fill out an adoption application. I filled out an adoption application and she contacted me back and said, you passed. And so I was like, okay, awesome. And this was 
in 2016, like in the winter. And so comes spring of 2017, we have a box enclosure up and Michaela calling me saying that she has five for farm baby foxes kits that she just rescued and asked me so many pictures and said, which one do you want? And she told me which one was a boy. And then I picked out my fox and she sent me pictures, told me which ones were boys. And we picked one and that was Axel. And we went and picked him up when he was five weeks old, brought him back here. And we actually had to bottle feed him, my hand raise him. So he was kind of my kickstart to the whole thing because I really fell, I fell in love with foxes because of Axel, because of his personality and just because of how he is. He's just enough chaos to balance his really adorable side. So he's a really special fox. So then I started working for Save a Fox. It initially was just doing emails. And now I am their adoption coordinator. So I do all the adoptions for Save a Fox. And it was 2019. Michaela, she can only hold so many foxes on her permit in Minnesota. So we were kind of trying to find out solutions. And I was like, well, I could open a sanctuary here in Michigan and we could be the overflow. And I was talking with another fox owner and he was like, well, I have a name of the sanctuary. So if you want to like work together and we can use the name and because he had already started like a business with it. So I was like, okay, sure. So he's Dan in Tennessee. And so we started working together and started the sanctuary here in Michigan in 2019. I filed my 501c3 nonprofit back in like January of 2020. And it was approved of February of 2020, but it backdated all the way back to October 2019 when we first incorporated in the state of Michigan. So we have been nonprofit since we opened. And now we are up to 28 foxes with the sanctuary. So it's just grown very fast over two years. Wow. That is amazing. I love how you're expanding, like based off the need to, right? You like went in, learned kind of the ropes, learned about like being a responsible Fox caretaker from this other organization. And then now you're like, okay, you have more than you can handle. Let me help. That's amazing. That it's like blossomed out of this need. So, I mean, backing up, you adopted this baby Fox. I'm wondering what constitutes like baby fox like needing to be adopted out? Is it like their the mother has been, something has happened to them or some sort of medical thing involved? So the foxes that are on the fur farms, so we're talking about fur farm foxes. So these are foxes that are born and bred to be pelted for the fur industry. The mother foxes usually are under a high amount of stress just purely because of the environment. They're not given proper space, nutrients, enough water. They're not really taken that care of that well. So usually what happens when they have babies is they take the stress out on the babies. So sometimes, as you said, a mother can reject their kits. So she will just refuse to take care of them. There are some mothers who will like stomp on their kits then that you have the flip side of that. You have some others who are so stressed that they 
overgroom their kits like out of care like they think they need to keep constantly caring for it but they are actually causing open wounds and then it also as you said it can be medical so say a kit gets attacked by another kit or the parent the mom gnaws off his paw these are things that the fur farmers would not take care of because they don't take care of them medically that they would be able to release those foxes to us So even as just looking at it, I mean, obviously we have a certain emotion that comes out with fur farms, but looking at it like a business, so they have to keep these foxes until they're full grown, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So foxes, when they're pelted on the fur farms, they're typically about six to eight months old. So they don't even make it to their first year birthday because they are the fullest when winter is happening, like pretty much like December is when their coat is the fullest. And especially the babies that make it to that stage, they usually end up with a really big, full, thick fur coat. So that's when they're pelted. They do it, they electrocute them. So they put one in the bottom and one in the mouth. So that's the only way to preserve the fur. So it's a really horrific. um, I was actually asked the question today, Do I think that the other foxes on the fur farm know when the animals are being pelted? And I was like, well, I'm I'm sure they do. Because even if animals can't vocally speak, I believe that they speak kind of in a telepathic way. Mm -hmm. So for sure, you know, it's like a cow at a slaughterhouse, how you see them crying. They, They experience it. And it really is unfortunate because fur farm foxes are an agricultural commodity. So they have like zero animal rights. So, you know, you think about like even bad backyard breeders can, for dogs and cats can be charged with animal cruelty and felony charges, even federal felony charges. And fur farmers who abuse these animals pretty much do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. They get away scotch-free because there is no repercussions for agricultural because they're looked at stock, essentially. And it's really horrific. It's so like, I almost want to say a little bit like mind bending to me, because I think when people tend to think like for fox farms, it might be super ignorant, but I feel like they think like, oh, that doesn't happen in the United States. Or if it does happen, it's super rare. I don't know how many you've come in like contact with or how many that you know of, like how many fur farms and like, do you think that there are like What we know of based off of the USDA, because they are all USDA licensed, there is an about an average of 400 fur farms active in the United States. Yep. Wow. Even here in Michigan, there are rumored to be about half a dozen and you can find some on the USDA, which I have, and they're mostly mink or rabbit. But when you come to actually like locating these farms, they really try to stay as elusive as they can. Like you can't find them on Google Maps. Even try to put in like the owner's names and you don't really get much information. So it's difficult to exactly put a number, but the number on average is about 400 based off that list. And I imagine that's like the list of like the registered ones. I imagine that there are unregistered ones and people who are doing it outside of those bounds. Yep, we've actually dealt with one of our it was during the pandemic last year, actually. It's our biggest rescue to date. We worked with, I think it was about six or seven rescues, but we rescued 30 foxes that were coming from an illegal fur farm that was shut down 
And the daughter of the farmer was an animal hoarder. And so she just decided to take them in their fur farm crates that were zip tied shut and stack them on each other in a laundry room. And they lived that way for about six to eight months with no fresh food, no fresh water, living in their own filth. They all had like ammonia burns. Mm -hmm. A lot of them had like gallstones from improper diet. All their fur was stained with their own filth, ear infections, eye infections, range of medical issues. Um, There was one with a broken leg and we were able to place all 30 foxes within the network of, because there's about 12 rescues and sanctuaries that we all work together. And we were able to place the foxes. We took five of them. Yeah, I mean, that was an animal hoarding situation because that's a mental disorder. But you really see like how the fur farmers treated them because they were zip tied shut. They were elevated. So there was like area for like the feces, but if they're not cleaning it, it just builds up. It sucks that you can't, they, there's no legal repercussion for the mistreatment of these animals. Oh my gosh. Gives me chills. It's horrific too. I mean, I know we've, we've talked with people, even people don't realize like a lot of times horses are treated in the Mm. same way as livestock and people have a very like visceral feeling about horses. And it's bizarre that there is this like separation between these animals deserve respect and these ones don't. Mm -hmm. Yep, It is mind blowing. So you're adopting out these foxes a lot of times with the Save a Fox Rescue. So I know you're in Michigan. You've got, I imagine, wide open spaces and <laughs> and a lot more room to for for your animals to enjoy. What does it take to be able to own a fox, to adopt a fox, to save a fox? So it takes a lot. <laughs> as much as I love my foxes and I love Axel to death. I do not think foxes make great pets. And there's a couple of reasons for this. So I always like to say, first, if you ever are considering owning or adopting a fox, which I don't discourage, I just like to make sure people understand like with open eyes, what you're really getting into. So we have to look at foxes on a scale of domestication. Dogs and cats have thousands of years of domestication with humans. So that's why we can train them very easily. They understand not to just destroy whatever it is by marking on it or chewing something up. And they also understand, you know, to kind of like, you can let your dog out in your backyard with or without a fence and not really worry about them trying to get away. So foxes on that scale have about 90 years of actual domestication for pets. Now, fur farming has been in the United States since the late 1800s, but the actual domestication of foxes for pets didn't really start until the 50s and 60s, and it started in Russia. And the foxes here, a lot of the foxes that are bred as pets by these breeders, and there are, and I say the word breeder loosely, because they're more of a glorified fur farming, essentially, because a lot of these breeders breed really sick animals. They don't give proper information. They just pretty much are in it for the money. But a lot of these breeders where they got their foxes from were fur farm foxes. 
because a fur farmer will sell you foxes. If you're like, oh, I want to open a fur farm. Can I buy a breeding pair? And some fur farmers will sell you a breeding pair and then you can go off and do that. So these foxes that, like I said, are bred for pets are not really in a scale of domestication bred as great companion animals like a dog or a cat. So I always tell people, if you're looking for your new best friend, I would maybe look at a dog, go to the animal shelter first. So, but if you're truly committed on getting a fox, first of all, it is only legal in certain states. So not all states. So in California, it is actually illegal. You can only own a fox if you are a USDA like licensed facility, like a sanctuary or a zoo. So foxes for pets are not legal there. So here in Michigan, you can own foxes, but like our native species foxes, like red foxes and gray foxes require DNR permits. If you want an Arctic fox or say a Phoenix fox, you don't need a permit for, which I find very silly because they require the same care. Hmm. So if it's legal in your state, that is the number one thing to check. Next thing you need to make sure that you have a veterinarian that can treat a fox. Not all veterinarians will treat foxes. Here in Michigan, it is up to the vet. So unless that veterinarian feels like doing a fox, 99% of the time, you're going to find a vet that's going to say no. Even in an emergency situation, there are very few actual like emergency vets in Michigan that will see a fox. So I do have my short list. So next, you have to be able to provide a proper outside environment. Like you said, being in a city, that's not really a great environment for a fox. They require an outside enclosure and the outside enclosure has to be a minimum of 10 feet by 10 feet. So hundred square feet have a dig proof floor. And by that, we mean the foxes can't dig out. So we use welded wire and they're two inches by four inches. So it's actually horse fencing. They can dig, but they can't dig out of it. You can use concrete. You can use like paver stones. We use the welded wire and horse mats. So we put welded wire down and then horse mats on top. It also has to have a roof that you cannot escape from either. So wood, wire, all these things that would be a good option for a roof because foxes are incredibly agile. They can be up and over six feet in a matter of seconds before you would even notice. I always hear like, I'm going to get a fox and it's going to be a house fox. But my fox is going to be different because I'm going to house train it and it's going to be a really good fox. And we're all like, okay, good luck with that. Because foxes necessarily don't enjoy being inside. Some foxes, yes, love being inside. Like Axel on hot days, he likes to be inside because he'll lay on the air conditioning vent. But when it's cool out at night, he scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch at the door at the crate wanting to go outside. So they don't necessarily make great indoor house pets. They chew, they tear things up. Like I said, they mark, they mark their own food. They mark their own water. And their urine, it smells like a skunk. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. So it's very skunky smelling. So not everybody enjoys that smell either. So you also have to be able to feed your fox a raw-based diet. Foxes thrive on a raw-based diet. And pretty much they can have any sort of fowl. So chicken, turkey, duck, quail, pheasant, any sort of those. They can have venison. They can have fish. They cannot have beef and they cannot have pork. 
And this is because those are unnatural food sources. You wouldn't see a wild fox taking down a 900 pound cow. So we say, you know, no to those things. Plus pork also causes parasites in the stomach. So even though foxes have very good stomachs, they can't digest pork. So they also need fresh plant material like berries or melon, beans, peas, carrots. Those are all really good options for foxes. And then also a high quality grain-free dry dog food. Foxes absolutely cannot be fed cat food because they are in the canine family. They are not felines. Yes, they have feline characteristics, but they are canines. So cat food will actually kill a fox eventually. They just cannot metabolize it. Like it just doesn't work in their system. I always say you have to have an immense amount of patience with a fox as well because they're going to test you. When they get bored, they love to get into things. So you have to keep things that keep your fox stimulated. And that's also why having an outside area is so vitally important for the overall well-being of a fox. And unless you can, can provide all of those things, and have time, patience, and also money because exotic animals are expensive to see at vets. And owning a fox is not for you, is what I say. But if you're willing to commit, it's a change of lifestyle is what I always say too. When you adopt a dog from the animal shelter and you bring them into the, your life, they usually go into your schedule. But a fox is kind of the opposite. When you bring a fox into your life, you are now at their becking call, you are <laughs> like a baby. Yes, you are on their schedule. Yes, it is like once they go through puberty, they are forever moody teenagers. One day they're like all oh, happy go lucky. And then the next day they're like, uh, do I have to do this? I don't really want to play with you right now. I'm gonna just go over here. How crazy. And I'm I'm wondering too, so for foxes specifically, because I some of like the Instagram accounts that I do follow, I've, I've learned that they do have certain like different behavioral cues and like different socialization skills. When you are adopting out a fox or when someone brings a fox into their house, how is that if they have other animals? Like if they have a dog or a cat, like do they get along or like are there things that they have to look out for? So whenever you're bringing a new animal into a house with existing animals, you should always have slow, safe introductions and allowing both animals to kind of have an escape route is always something I feel is an important to introductions. And typically we say most foxes when they're young will pretty much get along with any animal. They, especially like if it's a friendly dog, they love dogs, a friendly cat, they love cats. So I'll just use Axel as my example because I've had him since he was a baby. So when he was five weeks old, we brought him home we set up one of the play pens that you use like for puppies. So we set that up kind of in the foyer, like in the front foyer. And we had two dogs at the time and two cats. So we allowed the dogs and Axel to smell each other through that. And Axel, of course, he's this baby little fox was so excited. And Georgia, she's now 11 years old. So she was how old? like seven at the time. So, and she's a border collie lab, so she's pretty chill. So she gets along with everything too. And then our other dog who was foster at the time, he was a little chewy and a little chihuahua dachshund. So he was pretty good with other animals as well. So they had positive body language way, like for foxes, positive body language upon meeting is 
you really recognize it. It's that laughing. It's the smiling. It's the belly rollover. It's the huge tail swings. It's that low kind of submissive instant. When you see it, you're like, okay, this animal is in a good, you know, this is a happy animal. So we had all of those positive things. And then that's when we took Axel out and let him smell and let her smell. And we let them both because the way that it was, the room was set up, they both could exit on either side without stressing the other one out. And she was like, okay, I'll accept this little thing. And Maxwell was like, you're my best friend now. And they were fine. But then, so my three other dogs that have come into Axel's life after. So he was about eight months old when we first got Bagley and he was a nine week old puppy. And it's funny because Axel has raised the last three dogs from when they were puppies. So they play like a fox, like they sit on each other and they like use their butts to like push yeah. each other around. And they just, they do very fox-like play things. So because they were puppies and because Axel was the older animal, they always were like, oh, okay, we like you. And they, they all play great. So it's always also based on the age of the animal, the stage of life that animal is in. Is this a young, excited dog? Is this an old senior dog who's kind of like, I don't want to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. So foxes can get along with dogs and cats, but they don't always. So, you know, you're going to have your dogs. If I always say, if a dog doesn't like a cat, then they probably will not like foxes because as I said, foxes can be feline-like in their behavior. So when they move, they move very fast. They could just run over and do a little kind of pounce right next to you and then be gone in two seconds. And if, you know, that startles your dog, that's probably not going to be a good interaction with the fox. Now, I will say this. My fur farm foxes that come from fur farms at the sanctuary, they hate dogs. They bark at the dogs. They'll kind of snap if the dogs get too close they will like almost try to bite them. Mm -hmm. Like they'll snap at them. It really depends on where the fox comes from, age of the fox and the personality of the dogs and the cats. So there's always potential, but like they say, you have a better success rate if you do it in a safe, you know, way, allowing the animals to smell each other through separation, letting them have their escape routes, that type of stuff like you would do with a dog. So I know you were really focused on like fur farms. I'm wondering, do you guys ever encounter like foxes that come from the wild and are you ever re-releasing them or is it always, are they always a little bit too domesticated where they have to be adopted out? So currently I am not a wildlife rehabber. So in the state of Michigan, in order to handle wildlife, you have to be a a rehabber here license in the state of Michigan. So I currently am not that. After this last year though, I got so many phone calls for foxes or baby deer or squirrels. And I honestly had to just kind of feel like these are the people that I know the places that I would call. So I'm hopefully over winter going to be able to get my rehabber license so that I will be able to do that. So currently... Unfortunately, I cannot accept any wild foxes because that's not what my permit is. Mm. You know, I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize the current foxes that I have in my care. So unfortunately, it really sucks because I really 
some of the situations I'm like, oh, I could help. But even giving advice is technically illegal. So I try to stick to the letter of the law in that regard. But I do plan on it. And on a side note, I do one of our foxes is she was an owner surrender. So as much as we take in for farm foxes, we also take in owner surrenders. So say you were somebody who went and got a fox, but weren't fully prepared. And six months later, a year later, this fox is destroying your house and you're at your wit's end. You can call us and we will take your fox and give them their forever home. So we have an owner surrender. And one of the foxes that came in the owner surrender was a wild born fox that somebody who was not a licensed rehabber saw the mother, the mother fox get hit by a vehicle. So she took the baby fox and tried to do it herself. And she ended up to domesticating the fox. The fox was deemed unreleasable. Mm. So even when she came to us last year, I did have a local wildlife center come out and they said she's, she's been spayed. The previous owner spayed her. So they fixed her and she's been in domestication too long. She just wouldn't know how to hunt. And because she's spayed, she couldn't reproduce. It wouldn't be fair. They agreed that she was better in domestication. You need to go to somebody who can take, who can properly rehabilitate an animal as much as everybody has good intentions. Not everybody understands what their needs are. Absolutely. Especially if they've lost their mother, I have to imagine there's some certain learned behavior that they might be lacking and they might need like adoptive strategy or something. Yep. I mean, it sounds like you have so much on your plate already though. So it's amazing that you're going to be like, let's level up. (laughs) Yes. I do want to do it because it's kind of almost the next natural progression would be to help the, you know, wildlife. We just uh, bought 10 acre farm. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Last fall. So it'll be almost, it'll be a year in November, but we're moving because currently the sanctuary is on my father's property. I'm grateful. He was very fortunate enough to let me do that. And so when we were looking for property, I was like, we have to move the sanctuary. (laughs) So when we move the sanctuary, hopefully I will be able to set up a wildlife kind of enclosure section so that I could help, even if it's just a few animals, the lesser cases that don't necessarily need like full medical type stuff or like mange boxes that are easily, you know, treated. You just have to do the proper process. I do want to ask in the time that you've been doing this, have you seen like an increase in owner surrenders? I wonder because I know a few years ago when Game of Thrones was coming out, there was this big fad of owning like a wolf dog. And so there was a really big increase of people getting these wolf dogs, not knowing the actual kind of care that they needed. And so rescues and sanctuaries saw a huge increase of people who were surrendering them. And I know that with foxes, I feel like in the past few years, it's it's become a bit more popular, the idea of owning a fox. I wonder if you've seen you know, more owner surrenders because people are getting them without knowing what's actually going to be needed to care for them. Unfortunately, you are so correct. And I can take kind of some blame on that because A lot of the times I think people see videos on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook of a really happy fox interacting with a human. And especially, especially during last year with the pandemic, when people were pretty much locked up in their houses, watching YouTube, watching Instagram and Facebook, all of a sudden there was this very big boom 
all of a sudden there was new backyard, bad backyard breeders popping up all over Facebook groups. There was people, all of a sudden there was a boom in like some of the Fox Facebook groups that are like, oh, I want to get a Fox and I'm getting my kit tomorrow. What should I know? Type <laughs> questions. And it's like, like you, you have Juniper Fox who has quite a few. She's got like a couple million, I think. And Jessica, she is fantastic. And she really does do a good job of showing the realities. And she shows, you know, her range of animals and what it's like. And I commend her for that. She does a fantastic job. But on the flip side, a lot of people see that. And they're like, oh, I see this Juniper Fox who is kind of a Mm one-off. I can tell you from my experience, most foxes do not behave that way. Most foxes don't behave the way Axel behaves. And then like Michaela with Finnegan Fox, with Save a Fox, you see this really happy fox. But truth is when he's around other people, he's very shy. So a lot of people will go on like meet and greets at Save a Fox and be like, I want to see Finnegan. And it's like, he's running and hiding. So unfortunately, I feel people see this, this snapshot and they think that this snapshot is the whole truth. Mm-hmm. And that's why with the sanctuary... I don't hide anything. I am very truthful and almost blunt about it. That this is like the matter of fact of taking care of foxes that you cannot litter train a fox. You can kind of get them to go in a litter or in an area that you want them to. But like even Axel, he goes on a astro turf tray that we have. He's about 90% of the time. Then about 10% of the time, he's just like, I'm going to poop on the kitchen table. (laughs) And you're like, cool. I should check that before we eat dinner type situation. So there really was a lot of owner surrenders. I know because all of the sanctuaries and rescues, we are all getting closer and closer to where we're like, okay, we're getting close to capacity for the moment. A lot of the last few of my foxes have just been owner surrenders. Like we got a fox whose owner got him during the pandemic and literally knew nothing about going into foxes. And she was like, he destroys toys and he won't stop peeing and stuff. And I'm like, well, that, that's a fox. Like that's literally a fox. So the poor thing was surrendered before he was a year old. He was like nine months, but he's doing great now. And he's with another fox and they're like best friends. And he is, we call him one of our greeter foxes. Aww. He's one of the first foxes you see. And he's so happy to see everybody. He's just this happy-go-lucky fox. Unfortunately. That's the downside of social media. Like social media can be a really great tool for nonprofits and rescues and sanctuaries, but it can also have that effect of people being like, well, I do this. So like I said, if you really want to add chaos to your life and you can commit to it because a fox can live anywhere from like 10 to 15 years. So like a dog. So you've, you got to commit to them. Right. I feel like the downside to every social media, people forget that like, this is a highlights reel, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is none of the lows and this is none of like the mess. Oh yeah. Like, oh, totally. And the thing with foxes is you are dealing with an animal that, that bites, that can bite and not all thought, you know, Axel's never really bitten me bad, but some of the foxes at the sanctuary, they've gotten me some pretty good times where I've Considered, do I need stitches or let's see how this heals up in the next 24 hours? Thankfully, the only time I needed stitches was when I cut myself with a knife while cutting chicken. So not the foxes. 
that's the thing. Like people don't realize you are dealing with an animal that is kind of unpredictable because red foxes are some of the most understudied animals because they are hard to watch in the wild. You know, they're elusive, they're fast, they're really good at staying away from humans, which as they should be. Absolutely. I mean, even just from what you've just said. Oh yeah. So we actually have some kind of fun questions here to kind of wrap things up. So it sounds like, you know, Axel better than probably any other fox in the (laughs) the world. So for Axel, I'm wondering if he could talk, what would be the first thing he said? Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, it would probably be give me (laughs) because give me whatever it is that you have at the moment, either give me the food in your hand, give me the hair tie in your hair, (laughs) give me your shoes by the door. (laughs) It would totally be give me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Not good at sharing. (laughs) No, which is, and that's the thing, like foxes don't necessarily, like when they deem something as theirs, they really don't like to share it. Like he has a chaise lounge then it has flaps. So it's like his den. So he'll take whatever he wants under there or in his crate. Oh my gosh. What a fancy boy. He's got a <laughs> chaise lounge. Yes. Oh my goodness. So what is the naughtiest thing they've ever done? <laughs> One of the naughtiest things that he did was my husband has, he bought for, I think it was like his 35th birthday. He bought himself a Louis Vuitton wallet and Axel got a hold of it. He loves leather and he chewed up the debit cards, the cash and a corner off the wallet. (laughs) And he was, (laughs) and my husband was like, screw it. I'm still using this. (laughs) I've worked hard for this wallet. I'm just going to use it. Now it's personalized. Another really naughty thing that he did that was more or less like, I can't believe he did this. He unravels the toilet paper roll and brings it all out into the hall. And then for whatever reason, relatively soon after he does that, on our old couch, not our new couch setup, our old couch setup had these cup holders that were in the couch, like you couldn't remove them. He manages to pee into the cup holder and like it fills it up fairly well. So then I have to get really creative. And so I'm like, thanks for pulling out all this toilet paper. So I'm going to fill this cup with toilet paper and start cleaning the moisture out. So oh my you know, gosh, that's, that's always the fun stuff that you get with foxes. It's almost creative. Oh my gosh. I know. They are such great problem solvers. I have watched them try to get something like a leaf or a piece of treat outside their enclosures. And they will work on it. Or I've watched Axel just even try to get the dog's attention. Like how many times he runs around them and makes precision moves. Oh, they are great at doing being like, you want to watch what I like, hold my beer. It's like, hold my tail. I'll do this. Oh my gosh. Well, so our last question is a little bit more abstract, I guess. So Is there one like life motto or mantra that you keep with you while you're doing all this work? I've actually never really thought about that in that kind of sense. But what I always think about is who else is going to be able to take in these boxes? Like I tell people, there are dog shelters everywhere. There are only 
a handful of us fox rescues. So who else is going to do this other than the ones who have committed their lives to these animals? And that's what I always keep saying. They will break your heart one day because they're, you know, they're animals. They're going to pass away. And the ones that have passed away have absolutely, you know, you feel that and you carry that, but you, you continue to keep going just because without us taking them in, without us giving them homes, the foxes off the fur farms, they would have just been killed. The owner surrenders, who knows what would have happened to them. I always keep that in mind that even when I'm feeling really kind of beat down a little bit, because it can be heartbreaking. And because sometimes you see things with the fur farm foxes that like one of my fur farm foxes is battling. She's got, we're fairly certain cancer. She so it's very, very crushing, but you keep going because they need you way more. Oh my gosh. And they're so lucky to have you. It's amazing to see the work you do. We're such fans. I feel grateful every single day that I get to one, do what I love and to be able to like look into their little fluffy faces and just get a happy reaction. And it, there's no better feeling. I feel so grateful every day for those guys. And they have taught me so much about life and just so much about things that I ever be grateful for foxes. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. It's been so, so amazing. I can't tell you guys thank you. And thank you to Cuddly. You guys have done a couple campaigns for us and the support has always been absolutely amazing. And Katie Ann, who was the one who's, she's the campaign one who always does that. And she's the one who connected me with you guys. And I am so grateful. And thank you guys. It was really a pleasure. I listened to the podcast, so it's kind of, kind of nice to see faces to the to the voices. We are so grateful that Jenny took a little time out of her day to tell us about what it's like to own and care for foxes. I feel like so many of us are just used to these gorgeous Instagram photos of beautiful foxes enjoying home life, but there's so, so much more to it. We're so happy that she's giving the community a little bit more insight into this. And if you want to learn more about Fox's Journey Sanctuary, you can check our show notes or our blog. And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast. And be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly at C U D D L Y. Thanks, guys.